0: This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Kalstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Good to see you all tonight. Glad to be here. It's better in jail, right? Come on now. I've never been in jail. Probably should have been, but um, never been there. So thank God I dodged that bullet. And I'm happy for that. Uh, I'm so glad my dad never had to... Come and bail me out of jail. That just edifies me. Now I will say one time that I had to uh, go with my dad before school to the justice of the peace. His name was Jack Apple. Any of you remember Jack Apple? Well, uh, Deanna Wood, now would. I got picked up on my mini bike driving down Highway 92 in our little town of Trainer and. You're not supposed to be on the road with a mini bike, And my timing was just not very good at that particular juncture. And a highway, well, I I looked both ways. There was nothing coming. I pulled out on the highway, man, and I'm rolling up there. I had a friend that was in front of me. And uh, it just so happened that when we both got on the uh, highway, here comes a highway patrolman. So naturally, he picked us up. So then I had to go see the justice of the peace. Back then, that's the way you manage all that. And I had to go with my dad before school. And so we go up, you know, and it's all feeling kind of ominous to me. I'm probably 12 years old. I mean, I don't even know how old I am. Maybe a little older than that. And uh, had to pay 15 bucks. That was the fine. So we got back in the car, gonna go back to home so I can go to school. And uh, he just uh, didn't, didn't look at me. He just said, uh, that'll never happen again. And that was it. So there you go. That's my jail story. It's the best I can do. Awesome. Anyway, Joe, y'all bring a Bible with you tonight? Let's open our Bibles to um, James chapter 1. Actually, two openings, if you would please. James chapter 1 and then also Matthew chapter 7. James 1 and Matthew 7. We're going to be talking a little bit about, again, taking God at His Word and uh, discussing some of those matters here this evening. Thank you, Lord. James chapter 1, and then also uh, in the Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. Praise God. All right, let's bow our heads and we'll get into the Word tonight. Father, we love you so much. Again, we're so grateful for the Word of God. Father, the entrance of your Word, it gives light and illumination to our hearts. Now, thank you tonight, Father, that we have the privilege, really the very real honor to trust you, to believe you, and to believe what it is that you've said. So help us tonight, Father God, to let these these words that you've spoken to us, Father God, become a reality in each and every one of our lives. We just thank you for your blessing, Father, in Jesus' name. How many of you believe the Bible tonight? How many of you believe it's God speaking to us? Amen. Everybody say it together. The Bible... Is God, is God. Speaking, to speaking to me? Praise God. You know, you hear people all the time, well, I just, got, I just wish God would speak to me. Well, <laughs> read your Bible, dude. <laughs> I mean, this is the inspired Word of God. I understand where people are coming from, you know. I mean, they want something perhaps more spectacular, uh, maybe to satisfy some kind of, I don't know, uh, feeling or whatever the case might be. But we have His Word and thank God we can stand on his word, and his word is true. And that's why it's important for us, you know, to, to come to the place where you make a decision that God's living word is the final authority within your life. You have to do that. If you're going to drive all over the place on this thing and not be sure and wonder about it, you know, and this and that and the other, dude, you're no man's land. You've got to make the decision that God's living word is is true it's a decision it's not a feeling it's not something based upon circumstance or you know some situation or anything of that nature it's just a quality decision that you make in your life that you're going to let God's word be the authority in your life now you may not understand the things that are going on within your life as it relates to the Bible but the Bible is still true and whatever your circumstance is is subject to to the Bible, if you'll believe him. Praise God. Lots and lots of places, all kinds of stories in the New Testament and old where people, you know, stood in impossible circumstances and situations where it looked like uh, 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 nothing was going to go right. And all of a sudden God intervened and he changed the whole circumstance, turned everything around. Praise God for his glory. Amen. So, so it's important And I think it's particularly important in the days in which we are living in right now because it just seems like people are, I'm talking about Christians, they're all over the place. They don't even know what they believe. You know, they hear this person, that person, they read this periodical, they do this, they that. You know, and and I'm all for, you know, resource and finding good things, you know, that can edify and build us up. But I'm telling you what, if it isn't in line with the Bible, then you better get rid of it and stop listening to it because it will lead you astray, and it will cause you to, you know, get messed up. The Bible talks about the fact that in the last days, how many of you know we're living there? Yeah, that many shall depart from the faith. And the reason is, Paul writing, he said, the reason is because men will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And we see that going on a lot, you know, and different things of that nature, where honor, respect, uh, reverence, a lot of those qualities that should be a very real part of the body life of churches, well, they just don't exist. People don't, you know, they don't revere God. They don't make his relationship a priority in their life. And I don't care what you do with your life. I mean, you can do whatever you want with it. I mean, you, you're a free moral agent to live however it is that you want to live. But Jesus Christ came and gave his life for you. He loved you enough to die for you. And not only that, but he gave you new life. And I tell you what, it's the very least that we can do to honor him with our lives and to live for him. And people, you know, they'll argue the point. They'll say, well, you know, I'm, I love Jesus and this and that and the other. But, you know, they're, 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 they're disconnected. They're not engaged. They're just doing their own thing. And I don't believe that that is the way that God intended this thing to be at all. Do you? So we need to draw near unto him, just like we were talking about and re- or singing about tonight, you know. And uh, when we do, he said that he would draw near to us. Can you say amen? Notice this verse of scripture, James chapter one, verse twenty-one. I'm reading from the King James uh, Bible. Actually, I'll read this from the uh, New Living or the New International Version. It says, "Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept." Would you all say that together with me? Humbly accept. That's important. All right. Humbly accept the word. Uh, planted in you which can save you. Now verse 22. But be doers of the word <laughs> and not just hearers only. The King James says deceiving yourselves, the New Living Translation says you're only fooling yourself. So it says we have to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer, otherwise we're fooling ourselves. Are you listening to me? But I think the important point that James is trying to make here is that you and I need to, and it, it's kind of like what I talked about earlier, is coming under the authority of God's Word. Are you with me? When Jonah and I first got saved, there was a lot of stuff we didn't know. We were just happy to be born of the Spirit of God, to have peace in our heart, no longer having a conscience of sin, but being new creations in Christ. We didn't even know that. I mean, we just you know, found Jesus, or He found us, or whatever you want to call it. and And so... So as we moved along in our relationship, you know, the first thing that we discovered was is that you have to put yourself under, you have to put yourself under the authority of God's Word. Otherwise, you know, the whole thing is an exercise in futility. Jesus, when he uh, first came on the scene, you know, and began preaching, you know, in Galilee and different places like that, I mean, you know, he... There wasn't a lot of expectation, I guess, that he had from people that first go-around. You know, he preached and proclaimed the gospel. People were healed and different things were manifested. There was a great fame, you know, that went out before him. And they never heard anybody talk like him because he spoke with authority. And so all of a sudden there's just this real, you know, level, you know, rising level of interest. And not only that, but even just like curiosity of him. What is going on here? But you'll notice that as he made his way through the villages and cities and preached, the second time around, he began to call on people and hold them responsible. Can you say amen? Now, I don't have time to get into it, but you read it for yourself, and and you'll begin to discover that, you know, as he went down the road in his relationship with these people, he began to not just ask, but require certain things of them, you know? Well, You know, in many cases, there were places that were reached where people's lives were concerned. They said, well, I'm not going to do that, or I don't want to do that, or I'm not willing to do that, or whatever. And so they no longer followed him, okay? Now, you know, Jesus didn't get down, you know, and lay on the ground, wreathe all over the place, and pout because people weren't following him. It's an interesting thing, in my mind at least, that, you know, God's not, he's not begging you to do anything. You with me? He doesn't owe you anything, but he does make you an offer. And the offer is, is that, you know, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men and I'll change your life and I'll do whatever it is that I promised that I would do. And how many of you know that's exactly what he does? Amen. We are, uh, you know, the thing, <laughs> I don't know, bless our hearts. We, th- we think somehow, you know, that God is under some kind of an obligation toward us and He's not. You know, I I think about the time, you know, when Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't be my disciple. Well, that's a little confusing, wouldn't you say? I mean, put yourself in the place of these people. And they're hearing this, and they're going, dude, what are you talking about? And the Bible says because of that, many of them no longer followed. So uh, he had this mass exodus. Now, when we first got started, we didn't like mass exoduses, you know. We're just glad to have a crowd. And, you know, when half of them leave, you get discouraged. It's like, what in the world are we doing wrong here? you you you're with me, you know? But here's the reality. People are going to come. People are going to go. That's all there is to it, you know? You present the truth. You do what it is that God's made you responsible for and let people decide what it is they're going to. There's nothing like getting delivered from people. Hallelujah. There really isn't, you know? So anyway, where was I? Okay, so all these people took off. Well, the thing about it is, again, Jesus, you know, he wasn't, you know, trying to beg them to come back. He turned to his own disciples. He said, what about you guys? What are you going to do? You going to? You know, I mean, he almost tried to like sell them off, you know, to say, maybe there's something else you'd rather be doing or whatever the case might be. But but thank God one of them had sense enough, I think it was Peter, who said, where will we go? We don't understand what you're saying half the time, but you got the words of eternal life and we're in. And that's the thing about Christianity and being a child of God. Dude, you got to be all in. Because that's where the blessing is. It's not half in, half out. You know, it's not a a brick in your life, you know, called church that you go to once in a while. No, dude, it's a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth that you're going to walk with Him and live with Him and for Him. Are you with me? And when we do that irrespective of the rest of, you know, people, other people's decisions, because you're going to have that. You know, all of you, every one of you can tell me about people that you've had within your lives that are Christians, and, and, and but they're not in your life anymore. They're, they're not in the church anymore. They're not whatever, whatever. They made choices. And unfortunately, they're not necessarily a, a part of the body-life of the church. You say, well, are they going to hell? Um, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not God. You know, God, I mean, when God pays for territory, uh, he doesn't usually give it back very easily. Are you listening to me? And of course, unless, and that's another whole story in and of itself, but, you know, but um, if you're like me, you don't want to get to heaven and not have any rewards. Because, you know, yeah, you got fire insurance and you're going to make heaven, but you didn't do anything or live for him. Are you with me? Say, this sure is a sober message tonight. Well, you know, they all come out different. Praise the Lord. Maybe it's the barbecue. I don't know. Could be that brownie Sunday. You know, hallelujah. So he said, but not don't. He said, be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. Uh, deluding or deceiving yourself. Now look at Matthew chapter 7, something Jesus said. In verse 24, therefore, he said, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a what? Wise man. Everybody say, I'm a wise man. Everybody say, I want to be a wise man. Yeah, you want to be a wise man. I liken him to a wise man that build his house upon a rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell not, because it was founded upon a rock. But very emphatically he says, everyone, underline that, that hears these sayings of mine and doesn't do them, I'm going to liken him to a foolish person which built their house on the sand. And the winds, the rains descended, floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So in other words, the storms of life, they come to all of us as people, human beings. But the people that have set their house or their life upon the rock of doing God's word when the storm is over is still going to be standing. But the people who choose not to be doers of the word, well, he, he, he described it as being someone building their house on the sand and there's nothing left. And um, certainly that's to be uh, regretted. But <clears throat> I think about, you know, I don't know about you. I mean, I can only talk about myself and, and uh, Joan and I. But, you know, when I think back to our making a decision to receive Christ, I think, I think about the life-changing effect, I mean, dramatic effect that it had upon our lives When we discovered that God's word is real, that Jesus is real. I mean, can you think back with me when you first got saved? I mean, the reality of him being real in your life. I mean, it's such a life-altering kind of thing. It's it's not fanaticism. It's not some kind of you ate something the night before. No, dude, it is real. He said that he would come and make his home within us. That God would come and dwell within men. You and I. That we would become born of the Spirit of God. And that he would wash our sins away and make us new creations in Christ. And, And that whole... Uh, call it an experience if you want, I, I guess that would be true, is absolutely so real in the life of a person who makes Jesus Christ the Lord of their lives. You can't be the same if, in fact, you surrender your whole heart, all of your life, all your soul, and all of your mind to him. Now, people do play games. You know, I did. You know, people told me I need to make a decision for Christ. Well, I knew that, but guess what? You have to want to. And and I say want to from your heart. You can do a lot of things out of your head. Yeah, I know I need to, you know. Well, when you say that, it automatically is so very telling that you're really not all in. Huh? Yeah, I know I need to. But if I do that then I won't be able to do my dirt or live like I want to or do the things I want to and all. Some guy told me one time, and I'm telling you, man, I I don't know what he told me. I heard this, that Jesus is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. And that's the way that the world looks at Jesus. Well, if I, you know, if I make him Lord, then I can't do this. I can't do that. Jesus is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. He changes your wants and your needs. And he does it from the inside out. And you realize I don't even want anything to do with this stuff that's been destroying my life and stealing and robbing from me and giving me no peace whatsoever. You know, looking for something only to have it escape again. You know, it's just, you know, you talk about a dog chasing your tail. That's exactly what sinners are doing. You know? And people will say, well, how dare you call me a sinner? Well, listen, dude. You know, if the sign on your back says it, then chances are that's what we got going on here. I didn't I didn't make the rules. He did. You're either of a sin nature, born into sin as a result of Adam's transgression, and you need Jesus Christ and the only way to receive him is through giving him all of your heart, soul and mind, you know, or refusing to. It's black and white. There is no gray. You know, now people don't like that, you know, especially today. We, we've systematically taken all absolutes out of everything. And now we've got this great reset. God only knows where that's going. You know, World uh, Economic Forum, they, they're doing this, they, they want to change everything. And you hear all of these different kinds of things about, uh, uh, what's it called? Have any of you heard about this deconstruction, deconstructionism? within the church? Yeah, it's a new thing. It's same devil, same spirit, same ungodly spirit, wanting to tear down all of the pillars, you know, that exist as moorings for our lives, absolutes that are of God and get people out into the middle of nowhere to where they're so confused they don't know straight up from Sikkim. It's a mess. And that's why... All of you here tonight, please listen to what it is that I'm saying to you. Do not let the Word of God depart from your life, from your eyes, from your mind. And listen to me. If you don't get anything else out of the message here this evening, please, 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 please. When you're dealing with these things in your life and you're going to deal with them, you have to always come back and ask yourself the question, well, what does the Bible, what does the Word of God have to say about this? And I'll guarantee you, dude, there'll be some serious force being applied to discrediting this book that you have in your lap. Why? Because they want you out there. The devil wants people out in the middle of nowhere. Huh? So that's what (laughs) you. The reason he don't like the Bible is he's been judged by it. huh? I mean, I'm telling you, when Jesus comes, he is going to put the coyotes on him. You understand where I'm coming from? And so he's just endeavoring to take as many people to hell as he can with him. But thank God we're not going. Isn't that right? So. Joan and I, we, I mean, just to re, I mean, discover the reality of the word. That's how where I left off before. Young, twenty, nineteen. Well, she was eighteen. I was nineteen. You know, and uh, but but here's what we learned. We knew that God was real. It wasn't some denominational preference. It wasn't some, you know, memorization deal or anything of that nature. We knew for the first time in our lives that he was real because we had given our hearts to him all in. Okay. And not only that, but we also knew that the Holy Ghost lived within us. There wasn't a whole lot that we knew about the Holy Ghost, but we liked it. How many of you like it? You like the fact that he's living in you? Glory be to God. We also knew that the word was true, that it was, that it was reliable, that it was something, you know, that, that you could build your life on. Oh, we were so, and still are, thrilled that you can take the word of God as a foundation and build your life on it. Like Jesus talked about, you know, so that it's established on a rock, so that when the storms come, baby, when it's over, you'll still be standing. Hallelujah. And so we went for it. And so, with, you know, simple faith. We didn't know a lot. We were learning. We began to build our lives on the reality of God's Word, listening to our hearts. you got to listen to your heart, you guys. There's stuff you know. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. You know, people, they, they, they fuss around about this, that, and the other, you know, and, you know, get confused. God's not the author of confusion, dude, but of peace, so you need to follow after to peace. And so, you know, being led by him, he began to change the way that we lived. I told you the story about being in a bar. He said, you don't belong here. I said, I don't belong here, you know. But you got people today, you know, they, they, got, they got a foot on either side of the fence. And uh, that's a good way to get your britches ripped out. Are you listening to me? They'll say, oh, yeah, but what's... You know, the oh, yeah is an immediate uh, red flag. You know, there's something going on there in their heart. You know, God doesn't condemn people. Are you with me? The only condemnation that people are ever going to receive is their rejection of Jesus. There's the condemnation. You know, but, but a lot of times, you know, you got these people that... They, they, they want it both ways. You can't do that. And it's a struggle. But I tell you what, you've got to make the right kinds of decisions, right? I've watched people, you know, in 40 years, I've watched God deliver them. I mean, they're bound by alcohol. I mean, some of the most amazing things you've ever seen in your life. Bound by alcohol, bound by substance abuse. And I mean, God totally set them free. They couldn't have got that way themselves if their whole life depended on it. And God instantly delivered them and set them free. And, you know, (laughs) remember Lot's wife. You don't turn around, you don't go back, and yet I can tell you, I can, I can name them on my hand. They turn around, they went back, and dabbled in it, and then they're stuck again. And not only that, some of them, they never came out of it, and it killed them, literally. Are you listening to me? So this stuff's real. But I tell you what, praise God, when you make a decision to be a follower of Him, no turning back... I tell you, you're in good company, huh? And it's important for us to understand these truths um, and be all in. And, and, you know, when whatever it is that we began to learn in the Scriptures, that's what we started to do. You know, we we talked about, you know, uh, changing our behavior. In other words, what we did, how we lived, you know. The Bible says not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this whole thing was going on. And and so we were no longer a part of the partying crowd and, you know, all of the things that were associated with that. Also, you know, (laughs) he started changing the way we talked. Our conversation, our speech, you know, the things that we said. Are you listening to me? I mean, if the Holy Ghost is dwelling on the inside of you, dude, he will convict you when you start talking ugly. Are you listening to me? So you say, well, what do we do about that? Stop it. <laughs> you know? Repent and then stop. Huh? And he started changing our treatment of others. In other words, you know, there's so many things, and I, I say this regrettably. I didn't really know how to treat a woman. I was never taught. You know, I grew up in a home where it wasn't modeled. Okay, so I didn't have anything. I had a dad. Now, some guys, you know, they don't even have a dad. I mean, they got, you know, they're way behind the curve. But I had, I had a dad, but it, it just, you know, it was never taught. Nobody ever said, now, listen, when you take a person out, you know, you know this is how you treat them or any of that. Well, when I got saved, thank God for the Holy Ghost. I, I repent to my wife regularly because I'm ashamed uh, 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 it was a mistake of the head, not the heart. I just didn't know. And I tried to make it up to her, you know. <laughs> Are you listening to me? And, and the thing of it is, because if he's dwelling on the inside of you, he'll tell you how to treat people or treat one another. Jesus said, I want to give you a new commandment, that you love one another like I loved you. Huh? Huh? And that's not just in marriage or any, I mean, that applies, obviously, but I'm talking about life in general. Don't let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth. That might be a challenge, but you know what? We need to stop talking ugly about people. Are you with me? How many of you know that's easy to do? Why do you say that? Because we think we know so much. And truth of the matter is, we probably don't know half of what's going on in their life. And I dare say that if we were in their shoes, we wouldn't be doing quite as well as they are. You know, so, so these are all points t- to grow in and to grow up in. And we do it through the Word of God and, again, it having its influence in our lives. How are you still glad you came? So, you know, when we started doing this, our lives started changing for the good. We were happy. We were full of joy. We had, there was promise and hope within our hearts about our future and the life that God had for us. And we were enjoying that whole thing, praise God. And, and, and as a part of that, we had to change the way we think. You know, there are thought patterns, you know, that, that you need to get rid of. Negative thought patterns. Are you listening to me? Now, I didn't name any names. Let's talk about the people that aren't here, and then that way you won't have to, you know, be concerned. But, you know, you, you got to change the way that you think. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Because I'll give you an example. You know, the the thing about it is, is that when you're a person of faith, faith always has a good report. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of a good report, think on these things. Now, again, uh, there's a bit of an exercise that goes along with that. But I tell you, it ought to be something we're shooting for. It ought to be something that we're pursuing. You know? We shouldn't be talking ugly. Come on. You with me? Amen. So it's something to work towards. Glory to God. And, uh, and here's the thing that I want to uh, mention to you about all of this. Why did we do this? In other words, you know, when we gave our hearts to him and we knew the reality, what, what, what drives the discipline to say yes to Jesus and no to Sin or whatever. And I'll tell you, the thing that drives it is knowing that He loves you and that you love Him. And if you love me, He said, keep my commandments, right? And we love Him. So if we love Him, then we're going to do what it is that He says. So shall you be my disciples. Are you listening to me? And I know that all of you have experienced His love. We did, you did, and so we need to let that rise up on the inside of us. And yes, there is pain. Yes, there's challenge. There's, there's all kinds of things that we go through when we're, we're having to obey God. We're having to lay our lives down. You know, in, in the middle of situations where somebody's being ornery or, or not behaving or whatever the case might be, and we're still going to do what he said because it's right and because we love him. Are you with me? And that's when you win. I said, that's when you win. I use a story, you know, of an individual in our church that ended up going through a divorce. And, and I was a young preacher, dude, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know what to tell him. You know, I really had never seen anything. I mean, I'd seen people experience divorce, but when you're the pastor, I didn't have an answer for him. And I actually, I just said, God, I don't know what to tell him. How do you encourage someone who's, you know, had a, a spouse that's been unfaithful and, you know, whatever the case might be? I didn't know what to say. And, you know, it just kind of rose up on the inside of me. And I just said, listen, you know, I, I can't begin to imagine what, what's going on here and, you know, what's going on in your heart. But I said, I will tell you this, that if you'll continue to follow God and love him, he will love you and he will turn your ashes into beauty. And you know what? God did. Why? Because he did. Are you with me? Now, was that easy? No. A lot of lonely nights, a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, anger. I mean, God, you know, go down the list, a lot of it. But you keep yourself tied to Him. And you just say, God, I am in such pain right now, but I am going to obey you. I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to get into the middle of this mess. I am not going to allow myself to go in a direction that I know is displeasing to you. Huh? And i tell you what, God will love you for that. And not only will he love you for it, he will reward you for it. But that's what I'm talking about when it comes to being a doer of the word. And I think, you know, again, in, um, in the world in which we're living, this stuff is going to have to be, you know, really embedded in us. With me? So our whole life, when I say our, I'm talking about ours, our whole life, our whole ministry, and I'm talking about the ministry of, of, of Fellowship Church, it's been to tell people that faith in God's Word will change your life. It's what we've been doing for almost 44 years. I'm telling you that the Word works. Now like I said, you know, it's like T.D. Jake says, he says, your responsibility is to drive the bus. People are going to get on the bus. People are going to get off the bus. You drive the bus. The last thing you want your pastor doing is looking up in that mirror. Remember all year you rode a bus, you know? And, and the guy would be driving the bus and he'd look up and he could see everything that was going on. You don't want your pastor looking up there looking at what's going on in the rear view. You want him looking out the window. Where are we going? Are you listening to me? But, you know, when you, when you deal with these kind of interpersonal relationships and, you know, people leaving, for example, you know, it's hurtful. You know, you pour, pour yourself into people and, and all of a sudden, dude, they're vapor. They're smoke. I mean, you know, it's like, hey, whoa, how? You know, and you don't know. You, you reach out to them, crickets, you know. And so, you know, you have to deal with that. Well, hopefully you get thick enough skinned. You know, to where you say, well, again, we're still going to love you. You know, we're going to keep moving forward. We had, bu- we had building programs that when we were, you know, uh, when we had uh, pledging, you know, programs, people leave the church. Why? Because they didn't want to give me any money. So sad. And then when it was all done, they'd come back. Oh, hey, this is great. And, you know, what do you do? You, you got a choice. You can say, man, we're so glad you came back. Or you can say, you piece of, yeah. (laughs) Right? Didn't I tell you not to be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind? Take the high road. Love them. I mean, for whatever the reasons were, they're the ones that lose, not you. Are you listening to me? You know, and, and I don't know, you know, how that translates into your own personal lives, but, but all of us, we're going to have these things, man. You know, where, you know, you're the best of friends. Uh, Jesus had it happen. Here's this trusted companion right here next to him, and he betrays him. With a kiss. Wow. So I'm just trying to tell you that, you know, a lot of times these things happen in people's lives. They go, oh, my God, I'm serving God. I mean, you know, what's going on here? How come I'm got, you know, having all this problem and everybody's doing this to me? And, I mean, I'm trying to do what Jesus said, you know, and, and whenever I do good, bad comes. Well, there's a reason for that. I think it's called having your faith put on trial. You really believe what it is that God said or are you just, you know, bluffing? Boy, if you could only see faces right now. But this is where we live, isn't it? Everybody say, I want to win. win. You want to win, glory to God. So you got to do what it is that he said. You got to keep on keeping on. Hallelujah. And like I said, I mean, from day one, our ambition has always been to teach people that God's word works because it does. Are you with me? Cindy, how long you been in this church? 05, so that's what, 17 years? Yeah. Here's Cindy Knop in the back, okay? And Cindy comes, faithful, God bless her, worked in our nursery, still does her. I don't, yeah, you know, and different things of that nature. I'm sure that she had opportunities to get off the bus. She was probably told by people, go, get off the bus. But there she is. Amen. There she is. And I tell you what, my friends, there are some great rewards in store for a whole bunch of folk. This woman that sits on the front row of this church, the first lady of this church, I mean, she's went through some stuff. She's she, she had to follow me, crying out loud. My God, she, I mean, she needs, like, big kudos, you know what I'm saying? But even in that, you know, as a pastor's wife, some people, and Connie, you would know this as a pastor's wife, some people are so ignorant about the way and the expectations and things that they have and what they think the pastor's wife should or shouldn't be doing. Huh? Yeah. It's crazy, you know. And, (laughs) you know, I'm sure that my wife probably had opportunity to say, you know, I didn't sign up for this, but there she is. Listen to me every Sunday morning and Wednesday night, whether she wants to or not. She does, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we all go through stuff. But I tell you what, we're going to be found faithful, aren't we? We're going to keep doing the Word of God. Amen? And and, hope, and then pray for the ones that aren't so bright. Huh? Because they're, they're, I mean... I tell this story all the time about Keith Amore, you know, he's in his four-year after the church service. A guy comes up to him and goes, I don't like you very much. And, what do you say to that? You know, he's a pastor of this church. The guy says, I don't like you. you know? And so Keith, st- he's standing there, he doesn't know what to say. Finally he says, he says, You don't know me. He says, if you knew me, you'd like me. You know? <laughs> Amen. And what a great answer. But, you know, again, the other thing about that is, is that people, you know, they're going through their stuff, and they're confused, and they're angry, and a lot of times they've been hurting people hurt people, or at least attempt to. You know what I'm saying? So you just have to do what you can to try to help and praise God and move on. So here's, here's the thing. You know, the thing that always concerns me about this whole thing that I'm talking to you about tonight is when people don't value and esteem and regard what the Bible has to say, okay? And they go off and start, you know, doing this. And and here's the reason. This is just a few, but one of the, a couple, two or three of the reasons is, is that you know people they're more interested in their own opinion. I see them all the time. You know, they they're 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 checking me out. They sit out there where you are, and they do one of these numbers. You know, and they're listening. And I could tell you right now, man, you know, they're sitting there and they're going, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I've had them tell me. I don't believe that. It's fine. No problem. Take it up with Jesus. Are you with me? You know, but they're, you know, a lot of folk are more interested in their own opinions. They're, they're more interested in what they want. Remember, I told you that this whole relationship with Jesus is an all in whatever you want, not my will, but your will, Lord you got to get there. Huh? And then when you get there, things start to change. Sometimes, you know, they don't like it because it requires change and discipline in their life. We don't even like the word discipline. We think it's of the devil. Huh? Discipline. Yeah. Well, if you're a disciple, that means you're a disciplined follower of Jesus, right? That's what disciple means. To discipline our lives. Amen. Everybody say, I like that. Not all of you said that. Would you say that again? I like that. You like that. You know, we all enjoy the disciplines in our lives, don't we? Why? Because it provides a reward, doesn't it? Huh? There's, there's whatever you want to call it, achievement or whatever. But a lot of times when you're a follower of Him, it requires change. Jesus borrowed the disciples' boats one day, and when he got done preaching, he said, Launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a draft. They said, Dude, we've been out there all night, and we didn't catch anything. But at your word, nevertheless, at your word, we'll go out and do it. That wasn't a nevertheless at your word because we believe everything you say. That was not a faith statement, dude. It was just like, Well, you said it, we'll do it. Well, you know what happened? They got a boatload of fish. And when Peter seen this thing occur, you know, he realized that he was dealing with something that he didn't understand at all. And he turned to Jesus and he said, hey, listen, well, the scriptures say, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And and really what it meant was, is Jesus, you don't know anything about me and you got the wrong guy. And Jesus said, I don't have the wrong guy. I got the right guy. I'm going to make a fisher of men out of you. And that's what he did. You know, for all the things, screw-ups that Peter had, and he had a lot of them, I'll never deny you, man. Well, what's he do? He denies. And, you know, when you get in those places like that where you fall short, you know, and you just you get so disillusioned, you know, God, I screwed up again, you know? You with me? But, but how many of you know he still loves you the same regardless of the screw-up, you know? So you just have to step back into it. When he was raised from the dead, he told the girls, he said, you tell the disciples and Peter that I will see them in Galilee. Because I'm telling you what, that whole deal of denial right there, that tore him up. I mean, it, it just the whole thing. And how many of you know God knows all about those kinds of areas in our lives? This is really different tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat> but how God changed him. On the day of Pentecost, he got up, and three thousand people gave their hearts to Christ. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And um, and then the other aspect about valuing or esteeming regarding God's word is is that people, <clears throat> um, they they um, they kind of mess around with the word like vegetables on your plate. A kid, I don't really want to eat these, you know. So they just kind of move them around. And that's the way a lot of Christians are when it comes to the Word of God. It's just, it, it's, it needs to be a part of who you are and what you do and why you do it. Are you with me? And, and I will guarantee you, praise God, whatever, whatever application of the Word that you make to your life in, in a serious kind of way, it'll, it'll change it, you know? You say, God, you gotta, I want to I wanna be changed by you. And I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to do what you say. And I don't care what anybody else does or doesn't do. I'm going to do what you told me to do. If, if, if we would all do that, man, I'm telling you what, praise God, we'd be sprouting wings. Are you listening to me? And so it becomes, it becomes uh, really, really important. You got time for one more scripture? Turn with me if you would to Mark chapter 4 here, real quickly. And let me show you this um, Mark 4, real close by. You know the parable of the sower-sows the word, okay, in Mark chapter 4. And I don't have time to, you know, unpack all of that. But Jesus spake this parable to them. A parable it's an earthly story that illustrates a spiritual truth. Like, in other words, he would say, well, to what shall we compare? How will we compare the kingdom of God? Well, it's like. And he would use some kind of a natural story to help us understand what heaven was like. So in this particular parable that he spoke, he said, Uh, He he spoke the parable about the sower and going out and doing what he did. And then he explained it later. And he said, the sower sows the what? Sows the what? The sower sows the word. And this word or the seed that is sown goes into different types of soil. So the seed produces after itself of its own kind. So where it ends up, and the soil, of course, you know, Um, applies to the condition of people's hearts. Some places it it doesn't do very good, and other places it does, you know. So in all of that, if you get down to uh, verse 20, um, we'll start with 21. After he had gotten done doing all this, he asked a question, he said... uh, He said, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed? Is it not set to be put on a candlestick? In other words, the whole reason for, you know, a candle when you go into a room is not to hide it, but to set it out there so that you can see. And that's what the Word does. It's a light. And then he goes on in verse 22, there's nothing hid that won't be manifested. There is, uh, neither was there anything kept secret, but that it should come to prod. So then he says, if any man... If any man or woman, any man, have ears to hear, let him hear. So, in other words, if you have the ability to receive and respond, okay? He's so not talking about these ears. He's talking about this ear. You know what I mean? So, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear what it is that this parable is talking about. Notice in 24, And he said to them, Take heed what you hear. In other words, we could say it this way. I don't think it would take it out of its context. Take heed to what you hear. Listen to what it is that you're being told. You know, when the Bible talks about putting away lying, it's not just, you know, some verbiage in there to take up space, man. It's saying get rid of, remove lying. Give it no place. You know, when it talks about what you're to do with anger, any of these kinds of things, it's saying all that. So so he says here in, in 24, take heed to what you hear. Now listen to this. For what measure, the King James says you meet, some of them will say uh, the measure you use. I don't know what it says up here. Yeah, the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you that hear shall more be given. For to him that has... To him shall be given. To him that has not from him shall be taken even that which he has. So, you say, he that has what? He that has ears to hear. Okay? If you got ears to hear, you'll get more. If you don't, you won't. So, consider carefully what you hear. Hallelujah. So, when you're in those moments of your life and you're fussing with somebody and God says, Hey... Didn't I give you another commandment to love like I love? Huh? You know, when you, somebody does you wrong, he says, you know, you really need to pray for people that despitefully use you. I don't know about you, but I don't get a charge out of that. Do you all get excited? Oh, hey, hallelujah. While I'm offended, I've got an opportunity to pray for somebody. Hallelujah. That I don't even like. You know, you you know come on, are we real here? Huh? So what are we going to do? Are we going to do what he said or we going to do what we want to do? Woo! This is so good, Pastor. Hallelujah. I am so glad I came to church. But take any subject in the Bible, you guys. When, when you're talking about navigating relationships, if you need healing, you need finances, if you need peace, you need wisdom, you need victory, for every need that we have, God has an answer it has got a solution and the wisdom for that situation, and it's in that book. So let's get after it, and i got to quit. Hallelujah. You guys are good listeners. Are you with me? Y'all glad you came? Let's everybody stand. Let's just make a confession of our faith here, and uh, hallelujah. And then we'll take it up again. I always am concerned I won't have enough notes. I don't know why. After 40-some years, you'd think I'd get over that. (laughs) Amen. It's kind of like... You have reoccurring dreams. Any of you ever reoccurring dreams? I have this dream sometimes that I am going to church and I forgot my suit coat. Well, I don't don't even wear, Well, you know, rarely even wear a suit coat. Freaks me out. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? You know, it's like you feel naked. It's a dream, remember? Okay, you know, but anyway. All right. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you've made it possible for me to live the way you want me to. I ask you, Lord, to help me to trust you and what you've said. I thank you, Lord, for your wisdom and your peace with every step that I take. Thank you, Lord, for guiding me and keeping me in the way I should go. Thank you, Lord, for strengthening me to be the person that you would have me to be. And God, I delight in giving you glory through the way I live, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for these precious people that are here this evening, those watching online. And God, we're so grateful that you made it possible for us to be able to live in a way that honors you. So as we go down the uh, road of life together with one another, Father, help us to love one another as you loved us. Help us, Father God, to put away the things, Father, that are unprofitable and cause division, but rather, Father, let us be those that are knit together in the bond of perfection. And I just thank you, Father, for your blessing in every home, every family, every life. These are people, Father, couples in their marriages, along with their children. Grant them the wisdom, Father, to deal with the circumstances that they face. And I just thank you, Father, for your blessing as they look to you, as they pursue you, Father God, that you will do just that. In Jesus' precious name, and everybody said, amen. All right, you may be seated. God bless you.